The first time I ever engaged in an act of service in the church was during my senior year of high school. I'd been a believer for just about nine months, and my church asked me to be a junior high summer camp counselor for the week when our church went to summer camp. And so for that week, I was on duty, and it was an exhilarating, demanding, and tiring week. For the first time in my life, I discovered the great joy of investing my time and my energy into the lives of other people. I had the opportunity to read the Bible with these young teens, to pray with them, to talk with them about their own unfolding journey of faith. At the end of the week, I got to to have the privilege of seeing a couple of them make the decision to become followers of Jesus. That whole experience was transforming for so many of those teens, and it was transforming for me. And looking back at the end of the week, I realized it had been hard work. It was a labor, but I also realized that it had been a labor of love. That's what God wants our service to be, a labor of love. And as a result of that week with the junior hires, I became passionate about and and committed to serving others in expression of my faith. And over the next few years, I served mostly by teaching. And I would lead Sunday morning Bible classes at my church. And I would host and lead midweek small groups. And I did that consistently and faithfully. And then life began to change. I graduated from college and moved into the business world and started to work my way up the corporate ladder. I got married and my wife and I started a family. And I reached a point where I was working about 60 hours a week and Julie and I had young children and life was full. And even though I knew that God had equipped me to teach, I convinced myself that I was too busy to teach. So I backed away from serving. And as I did, as I backed away from using the gift that God had given me to share with the church, I found myself settling onto a spiritual plateau. Can we have that slide, please? You know, Christian life has its ups and downs, but there are those times when we hit a plateau, we settle onto a plateau. And for me, it was a season of spiritual dryness. I attended church, I read my Bible, I prayed, but but I felt increasingly disengaged and disconnected from God and from his people. I felt like an athlete who was sitting on the bench. Something needed to change, so I got off the bench and I put myself back into the game. I volunteered as a substitute teacher in the Sunday morning classes at our church, and I figured out a way to carve out some time on weeknights when I could prepare lessons. I wound up teaching once or twice a month, and it helped me work serving back into the rhythm of my life. And here's what I discovered. By devoting extra time to Bible study in order to prepare, and then by sharing what I was learning with others, my own spiritual life was energized. God used my willingness to serve as a way to move me off the spiritual plateau. And through that process, I relearned a vital truth. Serving others allows us to impact their lives while also enriching our own. 
This morning we want to look at two Bible passages which remind us that serving is essential for our spiritual health. And yes, serving takes time. It takes effort. It takes energy. But when we serve with the right attitudes and we serve for the right reasons, then our service can be a labor of love. With that in mind, let's take a look at the opening verses of the book of Philippians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul, writing to believers in Philippi, says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. How? By being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. This city of Philippi, where these believers live, is a, is a fascinating community. It's actually an incredibly diverse city. There are rich merchants and working class people and people in great poverty. There are retired military men. They're household servants and slaves. And that kind of diversity is, is represented in a distinct way in the local church that forms there in that town. We know from the Bible that the first three members of that church are a prosperous businesswoman, a jailer, and a slave girl who had been set free. That's some diversity. And as that church grew, it continued to draw in people from very different backgrounds and very different layers of society. And, and what do people like that have in common? Probably not much. And yet here in verse 2, the Apostle Paul says, I want you to be of one spirit, of one mind. How can a church full of different kinds of people be like-minded? They only can do it by building a sense of community, a community united through a common faith in Jesus, a community united around a sense of purpose that transcends individual personal preferences. That's what Paul is urging the Philippian church to become. It's what every church must become, a community where we embrace a purpose bigger than ourselves. Here at Gardenway, we summarize our purpose in this simple phrase, to know him, to love him, to share him. And you and I put that purpose of our church into action as we share God's love with people inside the community of faith and outside the community of faith. And one great way to share God's love and to build up the community of faith is to serve to serve others. And service, by definition, is based on what Paul writes here. When we serve, we look out for the interests of others more than for our own. Now, to demonstrate what that actually looks like, someone created an interesting parable. It's called the parable of the long spoons. And it contrasts selfishness with service. And there's a couple of images that help us grasp this parable. So let's take a look at that first picture. And it's a picture of selfishness in action. 
And what we see is this. People are gathered around a table where there's a pot of delicious stew, but the only utensil they can use is this very long-handled spoon, and they're only allowed to hold it at the very end. And they discover that they can reach into the center of the table and they can get a spoonful of stew, but the handles are too long for them to turn around and get that spoon into their own mouths. And so they keep trying to feed themselves unsuccessfully and they make a huge mess. You see, because each person thinks only of himself or herself, no one's need for food actually is met. And then by way of contrast, we see a picture of humble service in action in this next slide. And it's the same room and the same table and the same stew. And the people discover, oh, I can't feed myself but I can feed you. I can take that long spoon and reach across the table and make sure that you get something to eat. It's a picture of people who have embraced the wisdom that the Apostle Paul writes about. They choose not to look out for their own interests, but for the interests of others. And as a result, the needs of every person at that table are met. Furthermore, not only is everyone cared for, they also develop a stronger sense of community because of the way they serve each other. They're more closely connected because they've not been living in isolation. They've been meeting each other's needs. And the parable of the long spoons reminds us that the more we all do this, the more we all help to build up our community. We build stronger relationships with those we serve. And we build stronger relationships with those we allow to serve us. When God's family serves, everyone benefits. We build up the community of faith. And so when we look out for our, not just for ourselves, but for the interests of others, things begin to change. And not only is our life together strengthened, But we find something else happens. The more that we serve one another, the more that love within the community increases, and as a byproduct, conflict decreases. The Apostle Paul writes about this in the book of Galatians, chapter 5. He says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Look what he says next, though. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Paul reminds the believers in Galatia that they are free people. They have a free will. And free people sometimes misuse their freedom to indulge the worst parts of human nature. What Paul calls indulging the flesh. And when we do that, we yield to unhealthy temptations. Temptations temptations that cause us to act in ways that hurt us and hurt other people. In response to this very universal human failing, Paul offers a powerful insight about how to avoid falling into temptation. Now think about what we often say to people when they're struggling or when they're feeling tempted. We might say, oh, just read your Bible more, pray more. Now that's good advice. 
That's helpful. We might say, you know, it's a matter of willpower. You just got to resolve to not yield and you kind of white knuckle it. Well, that, that can be good advice. Paul says something completely different here. He says, shift your attention. Shift your attention from yourself to others. I think in a way he's saying that we distract ourselves from our own temptations when we start serving others. Because part of what causes us to give in to temptation is that's where our eyes are focused. So instead of focusing on me and my issues, I focus on you and your needs. And when we do this, when we take our eyes off ourselves to serve others, it is an expression of the love of God. It is demonstrating God's love in practical ways to another person. And as we serve, we promote greater love within our community of faith because those we serve will feel loved. And so Paul paints for us a picture of a stark contrast. Instead of us living these self-absorbed lives where we're falling into sinful and selfish behavior, instead we're focused outwardly and we are engaging in humble, loving acts of service. Serving builds up the community. And serving is defined by humility and love. Paul talks about humble service. And this means then that we shouldn't be serving out of pride or out of guilt or out of duty. And so if you're serving as a way to promote yourself and to make sure that you're getting in front of other people, I suggest that you pray and ask God to give you a heart full of humility so you think about others more than yourself. If you're burdened by your service, then I suggest you pray and ask God to give you a heart full of love for those you serve so that you're not just fulfilling a religious obligation. Let God increase your sense of love for those you serve. Serving others humbly with love has a powerful byproduct. It, it serves to reduce conflict in our relationships because our motivations are so much more likely to be in line with the heart of God and the purposes of God because we're focused on what others need, not on what we want. Instead of arguing with each other over personal preferences, instead of gossiping about each other, Instead of tearing each other down, we build each other up. It really boils down to a question of who's leading. Are we going to be led by our own selfish desires? Or will we let ourselves be humbly led by the Holy Spirit and let him prompt us to serve others in love? Back in January, we announced that 2019 was going to be a year of humility here at Garden Way. That was a theme we were going to emphasize throughout this year. And I've actually preached very few messages on that specific topic, but we've discovered something interesting together. We've learned that humility keeps coming up no matter what issue I might be talking about. We've seen that the invitation to a life of humility is everywhere present in the Bible. And that's because the problem of pride is everywhere present 
in our lives. It's no surprise then that that humility is mentioned here in these two passages talking about serving others. It's because pride becomes an impediment to serving. Pride sometimes keeps us from serving. Pride sometimes keeps us from letting others serve us. That is a huge impediment to service when we will not receive someone else's generous gift of time or talent or sustenance or whatever it is they want to offer us. And pride sometimes causes us to serve with the wrong motives. The antidote to all of this is humility. As we humble ourselves before God, as we serve others with humility, that's when God begins to transform us. Me, you, us. He will help us build ourselves into a community of faith full of the love of God, a community where we meet the needs of one another and we meet needs in the community outside our doors. And when we approach our service to others with humility, we will find that it's a labor, but it can be and it will be a labor of love. A labor of love that enriches other people and enriches us as well. I want you to know that I am grateful to be part of a church that values service. I hope we never lose our passion for for serving in order to build up our community of faith and to express love in our relationships with people both inside and outside the church. Over the last two weekends, we we had the chance to put those principles into practice as many of us participated in community-wide Project Hope along with other churches. And I want to celebrate what we accomplished together. So I'd like you to turn your attention to the video screen. Project Hope 2019 is in the books, and together we accomplished what we could have never done separately. This year, we banded together as 60 churches and 45 community partners, businesses, and nonprofits in the two-day outreach. Together, we helped write the back-to-school stories of more than 3,000 students at the Project Hope giveaway. And through the school workday, the hundreds of volunteers who showed up to prepare the grounds of neighborhood schools helped write the story too. On Saturday, churches partnered with 35 neighborhood schools to prepare their grounds and facilities for the coming school year. Volunteers weeded, cleaned, organized, power washed, painted, and more, refreshing the facilities to welcome back students and staff. The following day, more than 3,000 children and their families attended the five back-to-school giveaway fairs. Empowered school principals and counselors gave tickets to families who would most benefit thanks to the resources provided by Project Hope Partners and our partnership with the 4J, Bethel, Springfield, and Junction City School Districts. Every student chose new athletic shoes and socks backpacks filled with school supplies. Then there were opportunities for haircuts 
and local restaurants provided meals, all in a fun-filled environment that celebrated a new school year. It is Jesus' desire that we would be one, and in our oneness, He said that the world would know and believe. Thank you for choosing to be one with the Church of Lane County as we partnered in Project Hope. God is writing His story in our community, and He's using His unified church to help write it. Thank you for consistently showing up again in Project Hope's ninth year and for joining together to show Jesus' love to our community. Thanks so much to all of you who were part of that very special event. There are such real needs in the community around us. And this is a way for us to come together as the Church of Jesus Christ and to demonstrate God's love in practical ways. I want to say a word particularly to guys. You know, guys, we tend to bond differently than women. We tend to bond not by saying, hey, let's sit down for a chat. We bond through labor. And when I have the chance to work alongside another guy doing something productive, that's when I have a great connection. And if I can work alongside other people while also doing something that's part of the values of the kingdom of God, then my sense of community and relationship is strengthened and deepened. And so I'm grateful for everyone who came, but I want to encourage guys, when we have a chance to work together like that, come and join us. Be a part of it. Let's serve as representatives of Jesus. Build community and unite to to make a difference. And let's all remember that in those moments, the sacrifice of time is a small price to pay in return for the rich dividend of investing in building community and expressing the love of God. I want to take a minute and highlight some other ways that service consistently takes place in and through our church because you may not be aware of all of the ways that people at Garden Way are serving. One of our deacons, Jim Savage, sitting right over here. Jim organizes a group of volunteers who every Sunday afternoon take communion and go visit shut-ins and seniors. Imagine if you're housebound and you can't get out to be with the family of God and here comes a person or two from Garden Way, your church family, to visit you, to pray with you, to share communion with you. What a rich act of service. Jim, God bless you and thank you for organizing that vital and vibrant ministry. On a regular basis, several times a year, Joel Powell and Gordon and Esther Locke visit with teens who are in detention over at the Serbu Youth Center. And they pray with those kids, and they talk with them about God's love, and they, they talk about the life of faith, and they strive to give those kids hope. Hope that those young people can have a better life when they learn to trust God. What an incredible ministry of service. Every week, our associate minister, Rob Carney, goes out in the community and he provides a worship service at the Gardenway Retirement Center and another one at Sweetbriar Villa for people that are more or less housebound and can't get out. And then we have a team of volunteers in our church, mostly seniors, who go over to Gateway Living every Sunday afternoon and they provide a worship service there, humbly serving others in love, building up a 
community of faith. David Mulkey back here. David, God bless you. David drives the church handicap bus, and he, he goes around and visits people, and he brings to our church a variety of people who are in residential care centers and who couldn't get here if David didn't pick them up. And on a regular basis, because of that ministry in which so many others join David, on a regular basis, we help some of those people, mostly seniors, begin a new life in Jesus. And I'm so excited by this because it's never too late to begin the journey of faith. It's never too late. Two weeks ago, Sue Pardon, a resident of McKinsey Living Center, was baptized and became a follower of Jesus. She's a senior, but she now has new life. This Wednesday, I'm going to be doing a funeral service for Lucille Goldsworthy, who was a resident of Gateway Living and then passed away at age 88. She became a believer just three years ago through the ministry of this church. And her funeral is not going to be a time of mourning. It's going to be a time of joy because we know that she is with the Lord. You see, her life was changed because people in this church were looking out for her interests and not just their own. All of these people that I mentioned and so many more are serving humbly to express the love of God both inside and outside the church. And if you need a place to serve, any one of them would welcome you to come alongside and be a part of that ministry that they are engaged in. In addition, I want to suggest three specific opportunities before us where more help is needed. And the first one is our annual clothing giveaway. Two weekends from now, on Saturday the 14th, we're going to open up our gym and give away clothes to needy people in our community. Rachel Andrews, God bless you, Rachel. She is the driving force behind this. And it is a life-changing ministry. Think what it must be like to be a single mom or a family that's struggling and you can't get clothes for your kids to go back to school. We help to provide that. Rachel spearheads it and makes it happen. There's always room for more people on her team. We can still use donations of lightly used clothing. And then we need people to show up on Friday the 13th and help organize those clothes and lay them out by sizes and so forth. And then we need people to come on Saturday the 14th to greet our guests, to make them feel welcome. Let them know that we care and that we love them and we're striving to meet some practical needs in their life. If you'd like to be involved with that, you can speak to Rachel. You can also sign up in the Welcome Center. I hope that you'll join us as we serve others by sharing God's love with our community. That's number one. Number two, you can invest in the kids of our church. There's an old saying that the church of Jesus Christ is never more than one generation away from extinction. And it's true. Every generation has the responsibility to pass our faith on to the next generation. And we always can use more teachers and helpers in our Sunday morning classes where we're trying to pass our faith on to our kids. And we've stepped up our commitment to children's ministry by hiring Megan York as our full-time children's minister. And she is gifted and she is passionate and she is eager to come alongside you and train you and encourage you and support you so that you can be part of this process of passing on our faith. I want to invite you to not look out just for your own interests, 
but to also look out for the interests of our kids. If you'd like to learn more, you can speak with Megan or you can just write Kids Ministry on your connection card and turn it in. Serving children is a great way to help build our community and to express God's love to others. That's number two. Number three, invest in the kids of our neighborhood. On Tuesday, some of us will be over at Holt Elementary School around the corner. We're going to be there taking registrations for another year of KidMax, which is our signature outreach program to the children of this neighborhood. It is a unique after-school program that we hold on Fridays, and it allows us to demonstrate God's love in all kinds of ways through the interactions that we have with these children as we offer activity classes and recreational opportunities. We offer this program in conjunction with the early release day at Holt, and for more than a decade, that day was on Wednesday. Then this last year, the 4J district moved early release to Friday. And so Kid Max moved from Wednesday to Friday. And as a result of that change, we've lost about 10 volunteers who simply are not available on Friday afternoons. But maybe you are. Maybe that's a day when you have a window of time. And if so, we'd love to have you come for some or even all of the afternoon and join us as we look out for the interests of neighborhood kids and their families. If you'd like to learn more, then I encourage you to speak with anyone on our staff or just write KidMax on your connection card and turn it in. We'd love to have you on our team. Wherever it might be, find a place to serve. Let God work in you and through you to help build up our community and to express God's love to others. And as you do, you will find this to be true. You will enrich the lives of other people and you will enrich your own life. Now, throughout this series of messages, we've talked about a variety of ways we can get ourselves stuck on a spiritual plateau. And we've talked about specific things we can do to get off that plateau. If I could have that slide, please. Here's some of the things we've covered in the last several weeks. We've talked about the importance of enlarging our social boundaries. In other words, getting connected with a wider group of people so we can have a richer understanding of all of the good things that God is doing in and among his people. And a way to follow through on that is to take what we're calling the dine with me challenge. Invite somebody in the church that you don't know over for dinner. Get to know them. Begin to build new friendships. And then on Sundays, don't just come to church. Come to worship. Come to encounter the living God. We need to learn to trust God more than we trust ourselves when it comes to decision-making. We need to let the Bible get a fresh grip on our minds and our hearts and our souls. We need to spur each other. Boy, that's an aggressive term, isn't it? Spur each other toward love. One way to do that is to get involved in a growth triad, which Rob Carney talked about a couple of weeks ago. And we need to invest in the kingdom of God financially, not out of duty, but with a sense of purpose. And then we serve others, and we do it as a labor of love. And if your faith seems stuck, then ask God to show you how to embrace one or more of these actions and get off the plateau. Could I have that last slide, please? We've been looking at this slide for the last several weeks, a slide that kind of pictures the ups and downs of life. And we've talked about how we get camped on that plateau and things are stuck and they're always the same. 
And my encouragement to you is this, don't remain stuck. Don't let your experience of faith be the same old thing day in and day out. Instead, be intentional. Do something new and different. Let the Holy Spirit energize your faith and lead you into a whole new season of spiritual growth and transformation. Ask God to help you get unstuck and dare to experience the very best that God has for you.